and welcome to Quirky Cooking Chats. I'm Jo Witten, your host, and I'm so glad you could join me today on this lovely Friday. Sunshine out the window, but not so sunny down south for our friends in the flooded areas. I just want to send out lots of love to you guys. I know there's a lot of people really struggling with um, loss of homes and um, all sorts of difficulties at the moment. So I just wanted to mention that there is a GoFundMe to help raise money um, to make food and supply things that are needed for these people who've lost homes and livelihoods through the floods. You will find the link below. This is a trusted GoFundMe um, that is run by friends of mine down in the Mullumbimby Lismore area. Um, they are chefs and restaurant owners who are making meals and finding food donations and other donations for um, people in need at this time. So if you are able to help, even with a couple of dollars, please click on the link below and have a look. All the details are there. All right, so we'll continue on to the podcast now. This podcast is... Um, going to be helpful, I think, for a lot of people, especially if you have some symptoms of endometriosis, but are not really sure where to go from here, not sure if you do have endometriosis or how to deal with it if you have it, you need some support maybe, or you just want to learn more about it. It's really important for us to be aware of this disease because it is very, very prevalent in our society and people don't know about it. I didn't really know much about endometriosis up until a couple of years ago um, when a lady I work with told me about her experiences with endometriosis and a young friend um, also who's really struggling with it. And um, it made me start to research how a healthy diet, a low inflammatory diet um, can be of benefit to people with endometriosis. Um, so even though we didn't get into the diet so much in this podcast, I've shared some links below for you um, where Elise Comerford, the nutritionist that I work with, has done some videos about how to deal with the root cause, which is inflammation, how to really reduce the inflammation by working on your gut health and also helping to improve the health of your liver and your digestion so that your body has a better balance with hormones and detox as well. Um, all of these things help with reducing inflammation, which is going to help reduce symptoms. Um, so if you have a look at the links below, you'll see those videos. In this podcast, Donna and I mostly talk about what it is how to um, get the help you need if you have endometriosis, what the red flags are, the symptoms, um, the importance of support and awareness in our society and in our families, and um, yeah, how to support people, those people around you that are struggling with this very painful disease. Thank you so much. And I hope you get a lot out of this podcast. Scroll down to the links below if you would like to know more. Hi Donna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we are going to talk all about endometriosis because it is Endometriosis Awareness Month. So could you tell us a little bit about your story before we begin? 
Thanks for having me on your show, Joe. Um, my name's Donna Chicha. I'm a co-founder and director of Endometriosis Australia, a not-for-profit organisation that um, raises awareness and helps educate people around um, all the beings of endometriosis, all the things that it affects in someone's life, and um, also raising awareness so people understand what it is. Uh, we also raise funds for um, endometriosis research. So it's really important because um, there is very, very limited funding for endometriosis research. Um, I think a lot of people don't really know what endometriosis is. I didn't up to probably a year or two ago. I just sort of knew it was something to do with a bit of like painful periods or something, but that's about all I knew. So could you give us a explanation of what it actually is sure endometriosis is where cells similar to the lining of the uterus but they're they're a little bit different and they're found outside of the uterus so they're found outside your wound and it can be found anywhere in the body so it can be attached to um, your fallopian tubes your ovaries your bowel bladder um, the peritoneal cavity and also it can um be found as far away as the lungs, the brain, the skin. So it's not just a painful period. Um, it's often um, put into a, a nice little neat box, mm. but it is so much more. And we like to say it's a systemic um, inflammatory disease. So it affects all parts of your life, but it also affects can affect all part of your body as well. Yeah, that's what I found amazing when I started researching like this in the past year or so, um, that it's not just affecting like ovaries and uterus, that it can go all through your body and even your skin, you say. Yeah, people have had it in some weird and wonderful places and it's pretty much been found everywhere in the body. Mm. So for myself, so this is probably why I started individually. Yeah, I, we would love to hear your story. Thank you. Um, I... Um, had really painful periods when I was um, at school and it was, you know, just told to you that it's just part of being a woman, mm -hmm. it's just a part of life and you just need to harden up and get over it and stop being a hypochondriac. And um, I then didn't get diagnosed. So I remember, you know, back to that being 16 when my first symptoms came on mm -hmm. and then I was not diagnosed till I was 31. Wow. So the delay in diagnosis is quite staggering. But since we've um, started endometriosis, so since the last 10 years, the delay in diagnosis of on average seven to 12 years has actually shortened down to six and a half. Oh, and good. so which is a, an awesome long, achievement. But, yeah. <laughs> but boy, you know, we still got a long way to go. Yeah. So um, it does make a difference. And I think also for patients, it makes them feel validated. So they don't um, feel like they're being, because they're often referred to a psychologist. Yes. Um, and so this way they, that's not happening. They feel validated. People can actually understand that there is something physically going on with their body. Um, so I, I think I hit, you know, um, hit my 30s. I was studying natural medicine at the time and um, I, I think... After my first surgery, I think I showed, and it was in, you know, this is how old I am, the VHS days. So I had it recorded and I think I showed everyone at um, my my college what it looks like on the inside. Oh, wow. Um, 
So I was like show and tell girl. Um, but it was a part of educating and I think that's probably where I started educating people about and raising awareness about endometriosis because most people d- dismissed you and didn't understand. Um, and so later on um, in 2012, that group of like-minded people all came together and we formed Endometriosis Australia. So um, that was the start of the journey. So we're 10 years old this year. Oh, congratulations. <laughs> well done on a good job. Um, when you were growing up, so when you started to have those really painful periods and started to think something maybe wasn't right, um, what were you told to do about it back then? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It was, you know, your family didn't believe you either. So I think that um, it's a whole different, um, a whole different uh, experience for patients now. Because often we find that parents are championing their um, their kids because they have been through it themselves. So we know that there's a genetic element to endometriosis. So it can be passed down through the family. We haven't quite identified. There's not, doesn't seem to be one gene. It seems to be a cluster and not the same. So there's a lot. Again, we need more funding for research to find out um, what causes endometriosis and what we can do to have better treatments for it or management um, for patients. But, yeah, I, you know, obviously for years I... um, didn't do anything, didn't know to do anything. I did. I thought it was normal. I thought that's what it was supposed to be like. Did you and have days where you just had to stay home in bed or? I do remember, and this is because I grew up in Cairns. I do so did I. We've just been having a chat before the podcast and we found out we're from the same hood. Yeah, we're, we're from the same hood. Um, and I remember, um, right, I went to Keynes High and in year 11 and 12, and I remember having to ride my bike um, to my grandmother's place in West Court area because I was so sick and so painful, but I still had to ride a bike. Oh, <laughs> so, my goodness. I know. Um, so the things you do when you just need to, um, you just need help. And, yeah. you know, so um, whilst it's, um, an awful experience. I, I think that it's it's got better for yeah. for kids coming through now. Um, there's a lot more awareness. It's not perfect by any means. We've still got so far to go, um, but you know, um, it, it's a start. And there's more support thanks to yeah. you guys. And yeah, yeah well, I hope so. The awareness. I hope, I hope there's more support and understanding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've met a couple of people with endometriosis that I know of um, and it amazes me what they go through and what they live with every day and how they keep going. Like, I guess you do what you got to do, but um, like how, how do you support people who are living with endometriosis to cope with that everyday stress of the pain and the so I think the best way is to empower people with knowledge that's you know that's my thoughts I think if we have education and we have knowledge then we can be um I like to say we're the CEOs of our healthcare. Mm. 
So we can empower people with that knowledge to understand what's happening, how they can um, look at different ways because there is no one size fits all treatment or management for patients with endometriosis. Mm -hmm. And it is often um, looking around for different, trying different therapies and modalities to find what works for you. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you find something that works for you stick with it Mm -hmm. don't you know you know it doesn't have to fit with um, what everyone else is telling you if it works keep doing it yeah um can you tell us how many people in australia sort of have do you have like numbers of how many are diagnosed yeah yeah, we do now. We There was some re- recent research came out. Um, before that, we were relying on averages from overseas yeah. and research came out in 2020 that um, it's actually now one in nine. We used to think it was one in 10. One in nine. One in nine. So I that, had no it, idea that it was yeah. that high. So one in nine women and those that are assigned female at birth um, have endometriosis or diagnosed with endometriosis by the time they're 44. And so a lot of that's to do with that delay in diagnosis as yeah. well, but one in nine. So it can start as young as teenagers. So it can start from the time of your first period or even you can have an inkling before your period, your first period. So it starts and it's a long time to live with endometriosis. Oh, yes. If you think you're living in this chronic it's a chronic condition that goes for your whole, you know, lifetime, Nelly. So you have to come up with um, some sort of plan. And some people have super, super severe disease and no symptoms. Oh. Or they can have very mild disease and severe symptoms. So there are so many anomalies with this, this disease. And we're still trying to find out, you know, are there subsets of disease within the umbrella endometriosis Uh, we don't know that either like there's different types of breast cancer and different types of ovarian cancer is there different types of endometriosis Mm. well if it's spreading to different parts of the body then I guess it's going to show up differently for different people yeah symptoms present differently for different people so a little bit back to my story Mm. I um originally was diagnosed with stage three endometriosis and whilst I um, did have pain but my pain was not really equivalent to the extent of my disease um and it had progressed um later on in life and I was diagnosed with stage four and I had to have a liver resection because I had endometriosis in my liver what does that mean exactly so I, there was lesions of endometriosis okay. in the liver and the upside of that is that the liver regrows. So it's a lovely organ. So you can take a lobe off and you can still, but it is still like a, um, nearly like a liver transplant. Right. Idea. You know, you have those really skilled surgeons that mm. come in to do those um, resectioning of your liver. Um, we also, or I've, I've also been diagnosed with endometriosis in the diaphragm. So um, that's right up underneath your lungs. It's the, it's a very fine um, uh, muscle, I think it is termed as, but it is, um, so I've got endometriosis in the diaphragm with adhesions up to the pericardium, which is the heart, the lining around the heart. Wow. So um, those symptoms present completely different to period pain. Yeah. So it is all about listening to body, your body and being able to 
uh, note down your symptoms, you know, your disease is unique to you um, and find the right people um, around you, um, practitioners, carers that understand what's the best treatment and management course for you. One thing I heard um, recommended was if you're starting, if you've got, you know, period pain and it's not bearable and you have to take medication, then you need to get that checked because that's not normal. Um, And to take a diary and note down, you know, all your symptoms over, you know, period of time so that you can see when you're feeling that pain and what it how I guess how how bad it is so you can take that to your doctor is that what you would recommend yeah I think you know charting your um your experience is not a bad thing and there's great apps so you don't have there is old school paper and pen I'd probably go old school but you know there are (laughs) and um my daughters use an app yeah, and there's a, um, a new one from overseas coming out, um, being launched, and it'll also, so if you go to, like, say, your acupuncturist, mm-hmm. it'll remind you that you did that and it helped last time. So Wow, what's this so, app called? <laughs> um, well, uh, I'm not going to Oh, you're not supposed that, to say. Okay. No, I probably won't advertise. Have a look, you know, guys. <laughs> yeah, have a look. But. If you, you know, there are different ones out there. Mm. Um, this one's an overseas one and they are they are looking at it on a, from a research perspective as well. So it's just That's those friendly reminders of what, what worked last time so you can plot it in. So mm-hmm. think about those type of things and think about what medications or whether it's um, other sorts of supplements that you might be taking or is there a trigger in the food that you're eating exactly. that That's is... You know, setting it off for you, and because a lot of people with um, endometriosis have bowel symptoms, mm-hmm. so they might have bloating, and sometimes it is so severe. Um, and if you've got diaphragmatic endometriosis, like I do, any sort of um, bowel bloating gives you severe chest pain. So oh, wow. you need to um, think about visiting different people. Like it might be a naturopath, it might be. Um, a nutritionist, it might be a dietitian. We've got some research in FODMAPs, mm-hmm. in low FODMAP diet, but there is limited research. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, what works for you, keep going. So endometriosis is an inflammatory disease. Yeah. So basically the root cause being inflammation, you need to be doing what you can to reduce inflammation. Um, so you can... You know, we talk about this a lot in um, the podcast about reducing inflammation with diet and lifestyle. Um, is there anything you personally have found really helpful for reducing inflammation? Again, don't want to advertise, but I do all the things. I see an osteopath. I have acupuncture. I, um, you know, take different sort of herbs and medicines yep, when, I, when I need to because mm-hmm. that's, uh, my background is also in complementary medicine. Yeah. Um, so um, I have tried all different things to, and I've sort of found my few that work. Like I love having, as much as it's painful, um, uh, a massage and it's a, a particular uh, myofascial release yeah. massage. So mm-hmm. it's really deep, hurts like anything, but it 
jars uh, relax the muscles down because you tend okay. to find that you have a lot of muscle spasms and things like that. So you're tensed up with the pain. Pain, yeah. Mm. The body remembers those. It's mm. like a natural reflex in the body to protect itself. Mm. So you have to retrain it often. And that's also pre and post surgery. You know, don't forget to see your pelvic physio. Don't forget to do all of these things to help re-educate your body along the way. Um, it's not just a I'm going to have surgery and it'll all be fixed. It's there is no such thing. If only. <laughs> if only. Um, multidisciplinary care is really important. And um, you know, if you find anti-inflammatory diet works for you, knock your socks off. Go for it. Um, I'll just see if I've got any more questions here. I think what I was wondering if there's people out there listening that say, well, um, you know, I have period pain, doesn't everybody? Is there some more specific red flags that you would say go and get checked? Yeah, look, I would I would think about if you um, have, you know, cyclic pain that stops you from doing something. So you can't go to school, you can't play sport, you can't go out with your friends. And, and we've even got research to support the fact that most um, people that live with endometriosis actually lose their friends first because wow. they're seen as unreliable, so they don't turn up to social events. Okay. So, um, you know, if you were a friend of someone with endometriosis, hang in there. They're really not ditching you. They just can't actually physically make it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there would also be painful bowel motions, painful urination, painful sex is another one, um, and fatigue. Fatigue is one that is often forgotten about. Um, so all of those things combined, and they could be they could be associated with so many other um, disorders or diseases. Mm. So it is really important to check in with your GP and get a referral to see someone that specialises in endometriosis, a gynaecologist that specialises in it. Just to we can we've got better ultrasound technology now okay. that can. Um, can look at different ways that they have to be specially trained um, sonographers or technicians that know how to look for it. But that can also give you a, a hint of what's going on inside. Um, and back to the point of being empathetic and understanding, mm-hmm. I um, often tell a story about um, we as what can you do to support someone with yes. endometriosis. So I often tell a story about if you're walking down the street and someone walked up to you and said, I've got to go and have a bowel resection because I've got bowel cancer. The first thing someone says to you is, oh, my God, I'm so sorry to hear that. What can I do to help? If you say, I'm going to have a bowel resection because I've got endometriosis, the first thing someone says is, what's endometriosis? So true. (laughs) So we can be empowered to, um, as carers, friends, family to understand what endometriosis is. And if we all become aware, then we can help those that um, need that helping hand every now and then. Yeah, that's a really good point. And I think, you know, I even if you have someone in the family or a friend who suffers from um, period pain, like you said, when you were young, you really didn't get the support from family and friends because they were just like, oh, that's just a a girl thing and too bad everybody has it. Um, But it's so much more. And if, like, I've got teenage girls, um, knowing that if something like that is going on, let's look into it. 
help them keep a diary. I'm thinking of it as a mother, thinking how can I help my girls to be aware, um, to look after their bodies. So, yeah, it's... Um, and I'm a mum of a son and I yeah. make him aware so exactly. that he's a good support person. So yeah. um, I think that we um, all have a role to, to play and I think that everyone should be aware of what it is. Definitely. And also, if we can get the young ones that um, are, are living with this nightmare that is endo, and it often is quite, um, you know, if you imagine you having your first period, it wasn't fun having the first period the first time around, let alone if it was extremely painful. Mm. And if that's what you think is a normal period, yeah. um, that needs to be, dis, you know, that myth needs to be dismissed. Period pain should be uncomfortable, but it shouldn't be something that puts your life on hold. Exactly. So you can be uncomfortable and, it and you know, you can have mild cramping or something, but it shouldn't, you know, and there are other disorders to look into, but yeah. for endometriosis, you know, it is something that is affecting so many people, um, you know, 830,000 women and those that identify as gender diverse in Australia. So that is a massive amount of people that need our support to reach their full potential. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm still passionate about it 10 years down the track. Good. We need people like you. <laughs> thank you for what you do and thank you for coming on the show and explaining more about endometriosis. If anyone has questions about what you do and how they can get some support, um, how can they contact you guys? Look, I think the best way is to head to the Endometriosis Australia website. So it's mm -hmm. endometriosisaustralia.org and jump on online, have a look at, there is so many free webinars, everything, you know, on there. You have a podcast. We do have a brilliant podcast. So um, Ellie Angel interviews patients. She interviews um, clinicians and um, stakeholders around the country about endometriosis. So it's a really good one to get yourself um, up to speed about what endo is. And uh, there is also online um, a closed group too. So parents, carers and patients can jump into um, that and the links are on the website. So oh, that's really helpful. I think sometimes you just need someone to talk through these things with and the support groups are so important. Yeah, and knowing you're not alone because yeah. that's, that has been, I think, was my biggest thing is I went to school with someone for two years and then, for you know, we met up at a school reunion 30 years later and she told me she had endo and I had no idea she was, yeah. we were in class every day together we just never talked about it and mm. she missed a lot of school, not just a little bit, but she was always never there. Now I know why she was never there. Right. So, um, you know, if, you, um, if you're having to miss school, that is definitely a red flag. Mm. And I'm glad things have changed, but, you know, uh, I'm now doing my master's in research because I want to find out more yeah, and, well help, um, you know, help more people with that live with endo every day. Oh, that's great. I will put the links below for those of you who are listening on the podcast or watching on YouTube. Scroll down, check the links and have a look at the website and maybe have a look at the, web, at the podcast and have a listen to some of those great stories and the help that you'll get there. Thank you so much, Donna, for coming on the show. You're welcome. Really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. Thank Bye. you. Bye.